uh, in this era of digital marketing and our life on the internet, um, the ability to seem human and even vulnerable is actually more important now than in the past. Um, people are very suspicious of anything slick and uh, corporate. They're desperately looking for to make human connections through the digital world. From cave drawings to family histories to stories around the fire, humans crave order among chaos, connection amid isolation. So we tell stories. Our mission at the Storytellers Network is to bring the art of story to the masses. Whether you're in marketing, you're an entrepreneur, or you're developing your own personal brand, telling your story effectively can make the difference between celebrating milestones and collecting unemployment. The Storytellers Network strives to help storytellers tell their stories so you can learn from the best. Now, your host, the inbound evangelist himself, Dan Moyle. Welcome to the Storytellers Podcast. I'm so glad you're joining me today. I get to share the story of a man I admire with a podcast that I think I think brings huge value to the world of sales and marketing. Uh, in this episode, you're, you're going to hear from the host of the Marketing Book Podcast, Douglas Burdett. Douglas and I actually met personally uh, through our mutual work with HubSpot at the Inbound event in Boston that I've attended for the last seven years or so. And when I first met this humble, unassuming guy, I just considered him to be another marketer and the founder of Artillery Marketing Communications and just a friend. But the more I get to know him, the more I realize just how much influence Douglas has. And today, he's bringing that influence and that story to the Storytellers Network. Now, before we get into today's conversation, just a reminder, you can find us online at thestorytellersnetwork.com for more resources and how to tell your story a little bit better. And if you like what we're doing here, please leave us a review in Apple Podcasts or in iTunes, whatever you want to call it, on Stitcher and Google Play, wherever you're listening. It helps us reach new storytellers. Now, let's get to the stories. So welcome to the show, Douglas. Uh, appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule between the podcast, the company, and everything else you do uh, to, to have a little time with me, man. Appreciate it. Pleasure to be here. Uh, always good to be with Dan Moyle. You lead such a varied, a varied life You're between your motorcycles and your kids and your uh the things you do for veterans, which yeah. I greatly appreciate. So, and your day job and your podcast, that's probably six other things too. So I think it's the culmination of ADD. I, n- I never knew I had it growing up and this is like, this is what it looks like. So <laughs> if this works for you. Yeah. Why not? Right. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Well, um, so I like to start off uh, setting the stage for the listeners that you can be anywhere and be a storyteller. So we start off very simple question. Uh, where are you geographically and where, and where do you, where do you work out of? I'm in Norfolk, Virginia, and uh, I'm in my offices for Artillery, which is a marketing agency, and it's a big rectangular sort of loft. So Norfolk, Virginia. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Beautiful area, I know. And a lot of, uh, are you near, is, is that near the mountains of Virginia? No, it's, uh, we're in the lower right-hand corner of hmm. uh, Virginia, so we're at Virginia Beach. Okay. Right, uh, we're at the intersection of the Atlantic Ocean and North Carolina. Gotcha. So beautiful. The I mountains used to... are over on the other end, on the, on the western part, mm-hmm. and the northern part of the Virginia Triangle is where Washington D.C. is. Yeah, I know. I, I had a uh, great aunt who lived in, or aunt who lived in uh, Western Virginia. I guess so it was Arlington, or not Arlington. Um, I don't know. Anyway, uh, Western Virginia, and so I know that's a beautiful state. So. Oh yeah, it's Very really cool. beautiful up in the mountains. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, now, when I asked you to be on the show, did it surprise you? Do you consider yourself a storyteller? Or was that like a why, why me? <laughs> yeah, kind of a why me. Um, I generally uh, will, I'm, I'm thrilled to do interviews where I'm able to talk about marketing books and, you know, things like that. Um, but I really, uh, st <laughs> I steer away from questions that, uh, or podcasts where they asked me if I had a spiritual childhood or, you know, what my greatest success and failure in life is. I just, um, or if I were, uh, if I were talking to my 20 year old self, what would I say? You know, pretty much the, the Tim Ferriss punch list, which works for him, but not every other podcaster needs to be asking the exact same questions. Yeah. So that. anyway, issues I have nothing, nothing with uh, Dan Moyle, obviously. <laughs> well, so if you're not, not necessarily a storyteller, uh, because the marketing book podcast is all about stories, you're kind of maybe more of a story sharer. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm a great admirer of storytellers. Um, and I've had some books on in more recently about, uh, storytelling, the effect that stories have on the, the human brain and why they're so uh, effective in uh, sales and marketing. Um, and as a matter of fact, last week I was in, um, I'm, I'm finally catching that religion. See, Dan Moyle's always a couple of years ahead of everyone else. So <laughs> I'm finally catching on to the storytelling. And last week I was in Chicago giving a talk to um, a lot of manufacturers. And so instead of standing up there and giving the standard um, PowerPoint presentation, what I did was I started with a story and it went for like eight minutes. And then I went into a couple points that I thought were going to be helpful for them. But I just thought that was a different thing to do and everyone seemed to be paying attention and someday I'll find out uh, how much it worked. But you know, their, their, their guard comes down when you're telling a story and it activates much more of the audience's brain uh, and that's why stories are remembered so much better and the people listening see themselves in stories. And it's, and it's nice to be able to, to bring them in that way, isn't it? To, so they, like you said, they can see themselves in the stories. Do you use that with artillery? Like, do you, do you help them see themselves as a, as a successful client in order to help them see the vision? Um, I don't know. I, I probably should. <laughs> um, yeah, like if you go to our homepage, we've got a story. Whereas in the past I used to have some, some facts and backed mm. up by research. And now we just tell a story Yeah, and it really, I think it probably tells the same sort of thing. Generally speaking with clients, um, what the, um, the stairway to heaven here is to make their customers the hero of the story. So tell a story. Um, but, but tell the story about how your product or service helped make that customer the hero. Yeah, that's good. I like that. So as a story sharer, uh, you mentioned the marketing book podcast and all the marketing book writers you've, you've talked with, what, what have you learned from interviewing, you know, close to hundreds of authors? You said earlier, I think offline hundred episode one. 50 something or 130 something one yeah 171 171 uh, yeah last week so i've been doing about <clears throat> two and a half years yeah um I'm nothing else to do come on dan um <laughs> it's good for me because i read all the books beforehand and i guess yeah. somehow when i started the podcast i didn't realize i was going to actually need to read all these books but i started now so um i've learned a lot um i think that um I still just have such enormous admiration for somebody who writes a book 
and books have been milestones in my life story. Uh, I can look back on particular books I've read at particular times that had an enormous impact. And mm -hmm. one of those books is by a guy that you know very well, who was the first guest you ever had on your podcast, David Merriman Scott. Absolutely. Two books um, in my working career that have had the most impact, and his was one of them. Um, so um, now I've forgotten uh, what the question was. Uh, just and you thought you had ADD. <laughs> <laughs> well, so many of us do. Uh, I, I just wondered, like, what, what some of the things you've learned. Uh, oh, but things I, I've learned. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that um, uh, when you read that many books consistently, you start to find some common threads. And so a lot of times the subject matter may not be new to me, but I really like the way it's presented because it might help me to explain it to someone else. Um, but I think that um, I know this may sound obvious to a lot of people, but um, the secret sauce is in really understanding your customers. And that could be for, I mean, customer could be readers, customers, clients, partner, business partners, whatever your end game is, right? Yeah, I think that, but for companies that are doing marketing and sales, the, the, the more that have, the companies that have even a little bit of a deeper understanding of the kind of problems, what their customers' lives, lives are like, are the ones that are able to be more effective. Yeah. So I wish I could tell you, you know, I, I could read the constitutions, tell you things I've learned, but that's one thing that's, that's really, um, really come through. And I think another thing is that uh, in this era of digital marketing and our life on the internet, um, the ability to seem human and even vulnerable is actually more important now than in the past. Um, people are very suspicious of anything slick and uh, corporate. They're desperately looking for to make human connections through the digital world. Yeah. Well, um, so Tom Schraub that I work with, he says it, um, it might even be one of our core values officially in this age of automation relationships are the ultimate currency. Mm, well right? said. And it's well that, said. it's that connection. It's, yeah. It's so as much as I like systems and automation and there's nothing beats a real phone call, a face to face, a zoom call, whatever it is, even just a text sometimes because you know, it wasn't canned. Mm -hmm. It's that, it's that connection. I, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Totally agree. Um, so I want to go back to what you said a minute ago about David, um, him being one of your, uh, one of your milestone books. What's the other one? Ogilvy on advertising. So quick story. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> I can get away with that. So I had been in the army um, at overseas after college for three years. I was in the artillery, big surprise. <laughs> and then after I came back, um, you know, I went back to school and kind of decompressed. And I started looking at all these different careers that I could possibly go into. And all I, all I really wanted to do was find something that kind of interested me. Because if, if you can find something that interests you, you'll do better. I'm not saying follow your passions. <laughs> I'm just saying find something halfway interesting and you'll be successful, I think. And um, one of my buddies I'd been in the Army with was working in New York and on Wall Street. And he said, hey, have you ever thought of working in advertising? I know you pretty well. And yeah, I bet you could do that. I said, I don't know anything about it. So I went back to school and asked this one professor who had once worked in advertising. I said, what's a book I could read so I could figure out if this is of interest or something where I want to keep moving. And she gave me a copy of Ogilvy on advertising. So this was in the uh, mid eighties and that book had only been out for a couple of years. And it was written by the, one of the titans of the advertising industry in the 20th century, David Ogilvy. And I read the book and I said, that is it. I love it. That's what I want to do. I was so excited. 
And um, I then uh, started looking for a job and I put together an ad for myself that showed a picture of me in front of one of my howitzers and it said, ready, aim, hire, get it. Nice. And then it had some funny copy and a resume on the back. This is before that World Wide web thing <laughs> and uh, got lots of interviews and ended up getting a job at one of the biggest agencies in New York. And um, so I went from there. So that book, it just, you know, it, certain things happen. You read a book at the right time and, uh, and then I, so I did that for many, many years, did the advertising thing and then uh, worked at agencies and started my own firm. And um, all that world kind of changed, was starting to change, sort of like a travel agent 20 years ago who might mm -hmm. say, whoa, what's going on? I'm not making commissions from the airlines and you know, what's this people going online? So in other words, it was a similar sort of thing. The advertising supported media was really a shot, is now a shadow of its former self. And I realized that I was too young to retire and had to go find something else and kind of knocked around and figured out what am I going to do? How can I pivot the business? And somewhere along the line, I read David Merriman Scott's book, The New Rules of Marketing and PR. And I felt like I was going to get a second bite at the apple. Yeah. And it really changed it. And I continue to recommend it. And I was able to interview him. He was my first guest to my podcast. Um, and uh then I was able to later interview him about the sixth edition of that book. So if your listeners are out there, make sure to read the sixth edition. It's 394 pages. It is fantastic. It's incredible, isn't it? I, I love how he just keeps coming up with, not coming up with, but inserting new, uh, you know, new tactics in there and new uh, platforms and just new ideas. Um, yeah. I hope he yeah. never stops updating that every two years or so. Right. Uh, so, and, and I loved it when he and Brian Halligan did the marketing lessons from the Grateful Dead. Man, I interviewed him about that book too. Yeah. That was, <laughs> oh, he doesn't write a bad book. I mean, he's just, no. he's amazing. And he's definitely uh, a member of good, in good standing of the Douglas Burdett man crush club. Uh, yeah. He's, he's on, on my list too. <laughs> yeah. uh, I actually had, I had the, the extreme fortune of hiring him when I was at uh, Amerifirst in the mortgage industry as a marketer. Uh, he yeah. came and did a keynote speech, uh, speech for us keynote and um yeah i got to hang out with him a little bit we get to have dinner just a just a good guy real down to earth you know somebody who tours the world and yet he just he loves doing marketing and loves talking to people so it's cool yeah yeah a really great guy so um why did so, so that's a that's a great kind of history of you why you, you took your second bite of the apple as you said why podcasting to kind of get out there and share stories well um I guess uh, I had been listening to podcasts since like the middle of the 2000s. I can remember plugging in the iPod and <laughs> uploading things. I just loved it. I was always like listening to talk radio and, um, you know, uh, anything like that. I was always, I just always loved, loved listening to people talk. And so I started listening to marketing podcasts like um, John Jantz duct tape marketing. He's still got a podcast and he was doing it before it was cool. And I was always listening to marketing podcasts and I particularly enjoyed it when I would listen to an author. And then I started to follow uh, the success of some big podcasters like um, Joe Polizzi and um, mm -hmm. um, Michael Stelzner from Social Media Examiner and Chris Brogan and some of the others and, and Michael Hyatt. And they just, they talked about it and I just thought, you know, I I think I might want to do that. You know, I think I, I think I could do that. Cause, and, and so I, for some reason I went on GoDaddy and saw that marketingbookpodcast.com was available and that was a sign from on high. <laughs> and uh, just, I, I, I just, I don't know. I just 
something I had to do. Kind of like um, getting my motorcycle license last weekend. It was just something I had to do. Yeah. Or, you know, going bear hunting. I don't know. You know, or like doing stand-up comedy in lieu of a midlife crisis. It was just something I had to do. So you talk about me having an eclectic background, stand-up comedy, <laughs> bear hunting, motorcycles. Man, we need to go riding and hunting someday. Yes. So I'm not, not going to do comedy. So, so, you, so you do stand-up. That stretches you too then, huh? Well, I did. Oh. So I'm all better now. It was my way of dealing with, um, you know, turning 50. Mm-hmm. So, um, so last year? Thank you. Thank you very much. No, it was, it was a few years back. And I said to my wife, I said, gosh, I'm about to turn 50. I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to go freak out or something. And I, I said, well, she says, well, what, what do you want to do? And I said, well, I guess I've always wanted to go bear hunting. And she said, okay, well, why don't you go bear hunting? That would probably be cheaper than a midlife crisis. I, I married up, you know, she, so she, I did that. And then I said, then I saw that there was this course in writing stand-up comedy. And I took that and did that for about a year, got that out of my system. Um, and, uh, performed at comedy clubs and things like that. And, uh, then, um, so yeah, it was just one of those, one of those check the box things. So, but the podcast that I'm doing seems to have uh, stuck hung on. And I think I'm doing it because it's, I don't know, for lack of a better term, a labor of love mm-hmm. where, you know, I'm, I'm learning so much. It's performance. It's, 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 um, professional development is performance art. I'm just learning so much and I get so excited being able to interview these authors. I mean, I was, it was a time when I would go to a conference like inbound where I've seen you several times and I would have already read somebody's book but if i knew that author was going to be there i would buy the hard copy put it in the suitcase bring it to the conference just to get it autographed that's awesome oh oh i'm needy i'm very needy. <laughs> but you know some people collect sports memorabilia that's signed i collect autographed sales and marketing books yeah i'm uh, i'm starting a collection as well so it's it's a lot of fun i totally know what of, you mean of books yeah yeah in yeah. fact i'm gonna i'm gonna go ahead and do this now just i mean this is totally unplanned but um one of interview valet one of our daryl daryl strawberry is a client and they actually sent a a signed copy to me so i thought that was pretty cool um so i've had conversations with him and it's like that's and i'm not a baseball fan per se Uh, i'm a hockey fan but man that was cool so yeah he's Uh, he's he i can remember seeing him play in new york and uh you know he's had his ups and downs but uh He's, he seems to be on the right track. He's, and he's got a great story. I mean, it's yeah. so, and it's so cool to see the arc right now where he's at of helping others mm-hmm. and bringing them out of their addictions or whatever. Yeah. Daryl Strawberry is a, a good dude and it's been fun to get to know him a little bit and uh, get that autographed book. Why not? Right. <laughs> hey man, I, who would know who, who would appreciate that more than me? So. Right. Uh, I, I did the same thing to David too. And he was in town. I'm like, can you sign your, my, is that okay? Is this weird? So yeah, he was very gracious. Um, I've gotten him, him to sign multiple of mine. <laughs> I love it. So let's talk about style a little bit. Um, I, I love. I that have none. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I've seen you <laughs> no, in videos. No, where you have Plenty of style. My, my teenage kids, they'll affirm. I have no. Anyway, go ahead. Uh, those teens, man. I don't know. Actually, no. Uh, the youngest one's twenty, so I guess I can't say that anymore. Sorry. Oh man. Yeah, you can't say teens anymore. And yeah. see, now they should be coming back to like, okay, Dad, you're 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 all right. You're 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 nostalgic, right? Is that what it is now? Nostalgia. Who knows? All I know, all I know is that I think it was Mark Twain who said something like, you know, 
when I was 15, I couldn't believe how stupid my dad was. <laughs> By the time I turned 25, I couldn't believe how much the old guy had learned. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But, uh, but I want to talk about style, not necessarily in like the hip style. You, you have a style. Um, okay. I, I love your videos and you, you wear a bow tie and that takes guts because I wouldn't be able to pull it off. Oh, I, um, should, I, I have one. I, should, I, I can go put it on. If you want. <laughs> that's all right. That's all right. Okay. Um, so did you do that purposefully? Is that just who you are? Are you just being authentic? I mean, as a storyteller, should you have a certain style and look and tone and everything? Um, I guess if it's authentic, I mean, I always wear a bow tie ever mm. since I started my own business because, um, you know, I, I could dress the way I wanted to. Mm. And I just always wear the bow ties. And why? Because when I take clients to lunch, I don't get the tie dirty. Very smart. That's that's genius in its simplicity, man. There's no off position on the genius switch, Mr. Boyle. Um, but I, so what I do is um, actually, if you're watching on the video, there's a backdrop there. This is where we record the video, and it's it's. Um, I just always wear a bow tie, and I always try to wear a bow tie. Or I always try to wear a tie when I go to see a client, just as a sign of respect. Even though they go, "Well, you don't need to wear a tie." Yeah, I do. Yeah. You know, it's just a little subconscious thing where I'm paying some respect to them. But in terms of the videos that I do for each author, you know, that's a funny, that's a funny story. Um, I, uh, it occurred to me right after I started the podcast that people who are reading reviews of sales and marketing books might enjoy a podcast about marketing books. And I noticed that you could put a video review on Amazon. So I started doing video reviews for these authors and I didn't tell them because it really wasn't important. I was just doing it to help them out leave a review, but also somebody might discover my podcast that way. Well, they went crazy. They were like, oh, I didn't know you could do that. And then a lot of authors have come to me saying, hey, can you do a video review for me? And I say, hey, how about an interview first? <laughs> right. So, but they really seem to appreciate that. And that's why I do it. Yeah. I, I love, yeah, I love the video, uh, video reviews on Amazon. I've done a few of those as well. And it's, and it's so nice because it's different. Um, and like you said, man, it's, it's, you stand out. People notice you in your podcast, whatever it is, and come around. And so it's, yeah, it's, it's all, it's all marketing, right? It's and, and, and there's the bow tie. And there's the bow tie. As a matter of fact, um, another, another quick story. When I started the podcast, I made 11 videos, same way I do it. Just standing there in front of the camera, pitching authors. Hmm. So like I, I made a video for David Merrin Scott and said, I'm starting this podcast. Is there any chance I might be able to interview you? One of them was I pitched was, um, Anne Handley. Hmm. And she responded and said, I'll do anything for a guy with a bow tie. Ooh. So at that point I realized I'm sticking with the bow tie. Yeah. Days. Yeah. And Anna's uh, fantastic with marketing props. I love all the work that they do for marketing too. So yeah. And she's written a great, a uh, couple of great books. And one of them is uh, everybody writes, which mm -hmm. is a wall street journal bestseller, just a fantastic book. And so many other authors have mentioned that book. But also, she wrote Content Rules um, with mm. – um, on it. I can't remember the co-author's name. It slips my mind. I'll remember as soon as we sign off. But <laughs> there's a new uh, version of it coming out later this year. Okay. Content Rules. Content Rules. Excellent. I'll to, I've, I've followed her and her blog and stuff and her speeches. I haven't read the books. I've just recently started finally becoming purposeful about reading. Um, oh, good. I mean, I, I've always known how to read. <laughs> uh, but no, I, I, every morning, cause I like, by the end of the day, you know, you know how it is. You work all day long and then you want to get home and relax a little bit some time with your wife. Maybe, you know, I like yeah, that. kids, 
with your kids if they're around. Uh, <laughs> and all your extracurricular activities. <laughs> right. Go for a ride, whatever. So in the evening, like, I don't want to read. I'm exhausted. I just want to play on my phone, look on Facebook, go for a ride, whatever. So I decided to start waking up at 5 a.m. And I have my, uh, for me, it's a faith time Bible study. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be meditation or whatever. And then, and then for about 30 minutes. And then I read for like 30 to 60 minutes. And I've already gotten through two books. Um, I just, yeah, professional development, increasing my, uh, my skills and my knowledge and just getting better at that. So that's, that's a huge one. It's amazing how much you can get read in the course of a year. If you read 30 minutes a day, Mm -hmm. you know, people say to me, how do you read all those books? I'm just thinking it's not that much time, you know, I mean, it's a priority and I enjoy, I, I, I rather enjoy it, but it's, um, it's, it's not that difficult. I think, you know, book clubs are helpful and, and other kinds of things like that. Mm-hmm. Now, There's something about reading a book that's so immersive and it's very different from reading blogs on a website or, mm-hmm. um, you know, on, on things on social media. And as a matter of fact, I mean, don't take my word for it. There's a guy named Zuckerberg who started some social media platform in California <laughs> and he started a book club because he said the same, he, he was making the same argument that there's a certain immersive um, experience uh, of reading a book that can't be replicated elsewhere and uh, is, is enormously beneficial. Yeah. Smart guy that, that Mr. Zucker, what's his name? Zucker. Anyway, um, I, I think he's, he may, <laughs> he may amount to something. Yeah, we'll see. Might, might be a fed. Um, so for, probably, uh, probably like the, it's like this whole internet thing. It's just yeah, like another pet rock. Probably going away. Uh, so, so I want to know from, from your perspective as a story share and somebody, you know, obviously the marketing book podcast is huge um, in the marketing world and everything self publish versus getting published. Do you think it matters anymore for storytellers in this day and age? Well, possibly not. Um, however, I may be the only one with this view when folks are coming to me because uh, now I'm really blessed. I, you can't see it, but there's a whole table of books there. I, I'm, I'm getting contacted now, all, you know, nearly every day about someone who was be interested in getting on. And um, I tend to pick books from major publishers. And the reason why is not because I'm in love with major publishers, but because I know the chances are much higher that that author has gone through a torturous editorial process <laughs> and had many more people involved. And I, cause I've read, I've had a, couple of self-published ones and I could tell it just, it was really pretty rough around the edges. Um, like one of your clients, Eddie Yoon. Yeah. Uh, he, um, he's one of the ones that you all have sent my way and it was edited by Harvard business review press. In fact, his editor wrote a book that was also on the podcast. So it's just, I, I don't want to get into a situation where I'm reading them self-published thing. I also insist on books that are hard copy, hard covers, mm-hmm. Because there's a you know a million self-published ebooks out there, and I just so that's that that means a lot to me simply because I know that they there's been a lot of people involved in it, um, and uh, what was the other thing I was going to mention? Um, so that means something to me. However, there are authors like Seth Godin and Mark Schaefer who are self-published all the time, but I think they're more the uh, exception of the rule. So if I, if it's an author I've read and I know it's going to be great, um, you know, definitely want to get them on there, but otherwise um, I, I just, I can't read the book before I decide. So I have to kind of look through the book and I have to make a few assumptions. Yeah. It's probably like booking guests on a 
on a radio show or TV show, you know? Right. So. Well, and it makes sense. You know, like somebody like, like Mark or Seth, they've made a name for themselves. Um, do, do you think that self-publishing for a while may help get your word out and then get one published, like buy a major publisher and then you can kind of do what you want after that? Yeah. As a matter of fact, that's exactly what Mark Schaefer did. He wrote the Dow of Twitter and the McGraw Hill picked it up. Mm-hmm. And then he ultimately got the rights back because he wanted to keep updating it. And they were like, no, 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 you, you got to wait a few years. <laughs> Since then he's been writing his own books and, and they're terrific. So mm-hmm. but I don't know that um, all your listeners need to go find a publishing deal. I think that um, you have to examine the motivations you have for writing a book and uh, self-publishing may, may do the trick. That doesn't mean just because you're not with a publisher doesn't mean you can't hire an editor to help you write the book. Um, and, uh, it might be a real niche. Um, there's all kinds of benefits of writing a book. You learn the topic much better. Um, there's a certain credibility and, um, you know, shows a certain uh, passion and interest in something. So I don't, I mean, just for me, I look for the ones that came from publishers simply because I know a lot of people were involved in it, but otherwise I think that, um, there's enormous opportunities for people out there to publish, uh, their own books. Mm-hmm. As you know what, uh, Michael Hyatt talks about this quite a bit because he was the CEO of a publishing company. Mm-hmm. He's got a real soft spot for people, uh, for authors. And so he's got a great book called um, Platform and he explains why you need to have your own media, you know, your own internet platform and build your own tribe to sell your book. But he's got all kinds of advice and guidance on um, you know, if you even need a publisher and if you don't, these are the other options. There's all different kinds of publishers now too. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to discourage anyone from trying to write a book uh, simply because they can't get a, get a publisher. I'm, I'm mixed, almost makes me wonder, are there fewer books being published these days by publishers? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, so as a, as a reader of books, as a fan of them, you mentioned having the hardcover. Do you care? Like when you take in stories, do you read Kindle or do you only want paper? I'm just curious. Um, I really just want to read them on paper and I, I don't yeah. know why. I think there's some subconscious reason. I think 90% of our brain is operating on a subconscious level. I think I read that in one of the books that was <laughs> very good. It was called brand seduction and um, had a lot of information about the brain and it. Um, I really prefer reading the copy. If I read the electronic version, I just don't seem to, uh, immerse myself or, or retain as much of the information. I don't know what, I don't know why it is. There's probably some reason for it. Um, but I just really prefer to read the, the hard copy. I, I, I remember more, I'm able to write in it. Um, and the ones that I've had to read, uh, electronically, I, I honestly can't remember as much <laughs> from yeah. those books. It's really funny. It, well, and, and taking notes is important. You know, I know some people, um, I've heard a couple people that will listen to them on like Audible mm-hmm. and listen to them at like 1.5 speed or something so they can just kind of get through it and you pick up what you want to pick up. And then if something really hits them, they stop it, they go down, they, they sit down they, and they read the actual book. So, oh, I mean, all, dif- all different ways or read it as you're listening on Audible. So it's almost like there's talking to, yeah, there's obviously different ways to take in stories. So very interesting. Uh-huh. Um, so it's keeping in that digital realm kind of, uh, kind of thing. Um, how do you think the whole digital world, especially social media is affecting the craft of storytelling? Do you see a difference over the years? I, um, 
I think that because um, there's so much information and content shock, and as you probably heard, you know, the world now creates in two days the same amount of content as was created from the beginning of history to the year 2003. Yeah. Um, that um, it's requiring uh, marketers or anyone that has a message there to communicate to figure out what actually is working. And storytelling, I don't think is can be surpassed in terms of engaging people, getting their brain to engage, having them remember it, you know, using more parts of their brain. I think it, it's, it's forcing anyone who has a message to up their game. Hmm. And uh, let me add to that by saying um, there's a pretty well-known uh, cartoonist in the marketing world named Tom Fishburne, who is known as the marketoonist. So if you go to marketunis.com and he had a book uh, and I got to, uh, he, he, let me back up. He was, he went to Harvard business school. He was a marketer at several blue chip companies. And 15 years ago, he started becoming a full-time cartoonist. He has a company that does this. And um, I, so I interviewed him about the podcast. Um, that's the only cartoon book I've had on, <laughs> on the show in answer, in answer to your unasked question, Mr. Morrill. And, <laughs> I asked him, you know, what, what are your sources of inspiration for these cartoons? And he said, you know, the number one source of inspiration for the cartoons that I do is making fun of businesses and marketers who think they still have a captive audience. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So when those companies and people that understand that uh, anyone that communicates, it could be a pastor, it could be uh, somebody at work. You know, it's obviously a salesperson needs to, to, to use stories. They realize that um, they don't have a captive audience. Almost nobody does. Um, even when you're driving your kids to church uh, and you think they're paying attention to you <laughs> in the back seat, I, I don't think they are, uh, at, least, at least for me. So um, I think storytelling is going to become more respected and, and better understood. And I'll be uh, perfectly honest with you. Dan, I, for the longest time, thought I would hear that, and I didn't get what they were talking about. They'd say, oh, we need to tell stories, and all I could think of was Hansel and Gretel. I didn't really understand it. If I were smarter, I wouldn't need to read all these books, but I read a book <laughs> named Sell with, called Sell with a Story by Paul Smith. Hmm. And after I read that, it was an excellent book, and then I understood what was meant by storytelling certainly in a business standpoint that's a that's an excellent book and if you could ever get him on your podcast i think your listeners would would really enjoy it that's cool yeah i appreciate that i'm going to make that part of my morning reading now i'd be happy to uh, make an introduction for you I, it was a fantastic book sell with a story it was all about using stories in sales yeah and that's what, I mean, that's what it comes down to, right? Like marketing is great. It's the communication ahead of time. It's developing interest and everything else, but you got to close at some point. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know? And I, it was just, it was so fast. For instance, he talks about there's like 25 different kinds of stories that every salesperson should have, meaning a, a type of story, not a specific story. But one of them like is, what is your founder's story? You know, what are the stories of companies you've helped? It's, it's, it's really very well done. Yeah. Very, very well done. So. Um, uh, so have you uh, spoken with Donald Miller, the, the story brand? 
No, but I would like to, and I've been sent copies of his book by his PR firm, and I've said, great, I'd love to interview him. <laughs> and I, uh, you know. And nothing. <laughs> and um, nothing. So I was like, yeah. thanks for the books. I've got two copies here. Oh, PR um, firms. But maybe, um, well, I mean, they're doing what they're supposed to do. Oh, I know, he's, yeah. he's got a podcast. I mean, he's yeah. busy. I, at one point, I would love to be able to interview him. So I'm sure, he, you know, uh, if he's listening or if anyone knows him, uh, that uh, I'd love to be able to uh, feature him on uh, the Marketing Book Podcast. Uh, I call dibs first, just so you know. Um, no. Okay. I, so, <laughs> fine, fine. So he... It sounds kind of similar, right? It's it's that tell the story through the customer's eyes, make them the hero, this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's marketing or sales or whatever. So I just I just wondered because I, I listened to some of his podcast and uh, haven't read the book itself, but I've watched a lot of his videos, listened to his mm-hmm. podcast, and it's yeah, I love that whole storytelling. Hence the podcast, but I love the storytelling uh, mm-hmm. aspect of it. So with um, with social media kind of changing it a little bit here and there, and, and making you have to up your game. Um, I want to I want to know what you think, Douglas, from from that perspective and from interviewing all these different marketers and, and writers. How are storytellers supposed to get our stories out today? I mean, it's, it seems really difficult and crowded, and we don't have a captive audience. Mm-hmm. How, how what are we supposed to do nowadays? Well, I think that if things are bad and a company <laughs> says we got to do something, then they're more inclined to want to experiment and say, all right, tell a story. Um, I think that storytellers uh, to a certain extent are going to have to sneak a lot of this in. Hmm. Um, and uh, I think there's also other ways, you know, there's a lot of science behind this. If you've got somebody that wants to know about facts um, they can tell the story of certain research studies that have been done where it shows how much more stories are remembered. Um, there's also other things that can be done. So like when I, when I was giving that talk last week that I mentioned, um, one of the more practical things that I, I shared, because some of these folks are getting a lot of pushback from their organizations, they want to be good storytellers, was to um, say, look, rather than just talking about your product, this is sort of how you can sneak it in. Talk about how your product has helped uh, a client be really successful or your service has helped them. Um, or at minimum, if you can't get the case study, just say, look, instead of saying this is our widget, you say um, the people who buy these widgets. And so right off the bat, you're starting to get into the, uh, um, what's the Joseph Campbell paradigm that um park howell's always talking about oh man um on the business of story yeah the um um hero's journey the hero's journey Mm. sorry but it's sort of right off the bat you can kind of put a little bit of a story into each into each product so it's sort of like you know the marcus sheridan thing saying these are the problems we solve see how that storytelling is saying this is who we are we Mm. make great widgets you know, instead you could say um, the, the customers that buy these widgets tend to be facing these challenges, good emotional word, they're struggling, they're overwhelmed, things like that. So it's, um, I think people have to see how it's, how it's working. And I think that, um, you know what, um, there are an awful lot of good salespeople that I've met who understand the story thing, even though they might not have read that book I talked about, but they understand uh, that concept. And it works very well. So I, it's almost like a lot of the better salespeople, I don't think would resist it quite as much. If yeah. you can, you know, 
And yeah. plus they're off trying to sell. They're like, yeah, hey, whatever you marketing people want to do, whatever. <laughs> That's great. You know, go make it look pretty. That's right. <laughs> go play on Twitter. I'll see you. I'll see you in the trenches. <laughs> yeah. Right. I haven't heard that one before. Anyway. Um, <laughs> all right. So I want to, I want to uh, ask the big question now. This is, uh, this has been a great conversation, Douglas. Before you ask it, those charges were dropped. <laughs> um, so this has been a great conversation, Douglas. I, I love it. Great inspiration. A lot of good, a lot of good nuggets in here for storytellers. Uh, but I want to know what scares you. No, I'm just kidding. Um, that's not the big question. What scares uh, me? Yeah. <laughs> Civil War reenactors. <laughs> I, I love that. I love that. Um, no, but but I, what I do want to know though, if, if you could only tell one last story, what would that story be? Do you think? Um, if I could only tell one last story, Oh, probably a story to my kids that might encourage them to, uh, um, you know, not be afraid to try things and that everything's going to be okay. I think that shows a lot about you. I think that, that right there brings it back to your, your family, what's important to you and, and encouraging others. So that's a, that's a cool way to end that. Yeah. That's good. How did, how did I do? Okay. That was awesome. I love it. Yeah. Or did you want me to actually tell a story? No, no, not at all. No, it's oh, okay. I, I leave that question wide open just to see what happens. So I, I like I like how you, uh, how you phrase, how you phrase that. So uh, great stuff, Douglas, man. I appreciate your time today. This has been fun. Um, What's the best way people can look you up and, and the podcast and wherever they want to, you want them to find you. So if they go to marketingbookpodcast.com, they'll find that section of my agency's website about the podcast, which I think will be of most interest to them. Mm-hmm. Um, on Twitter, I'm a marketing book and um, I'm also on LinkedIn. And if there are any listeners um, that would like to connect with me on LinkedIn, um, to so I could also make some book suggestions. I've got a lot of listeners who do that, where they'll they'll contact me and they'll say, "Hey, this is what I'm kind of struggling with," or "What, what do you recommend for a book about such and such?" And I'm able to give them pretty quick uh, suggestions. And if, let's say there's not a book, I'll tell them, "Here's a great resource. Check this out." And they really seem to appreciate that. And you know, it's like just like you, you want to want to help folks. Yeah. That's awesome. That's a great offer, man. Appreciate that. It makes you happy. Absolutely. It does. <laughs> doesn't it? I love making yeah. the world just a little bit of a better place somehow. Yes. Awesome, man. Well, thanks for your time today, Douglas. I really appreciate it, brother. My pleasure. Thanks for the opportunity. Okay. So thank you so much to our guest, Douglas Burdett, the marketing book podcast. If you want to hear from thought leaders in the marketing and sales world, definitely subscribe to that marketing book podcast show. It is amazing. Be sure to visit Douglas online, which you can find the links down in our show notes. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider sharing it all over the place. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Snapchat, wherever you want to send it, email it, text it. We appreciate that very much. Uh, And please consider leaving us a review as well. In fact, here's a fun one. Tom Page left a kind review. We've actually become friends uh, here recently and and we're working on a project together, which is really cool. And while having a meal the other day, he mentioned listening to the Marketing Book Podcast. And I thought, hey, I know Douglas. That's so cool. So Tom, here's your shout out, brother. Tom reviewed the show and said, you may have heard Dan Moyle's popular guests on other podcasts before, but not like this. In guiding enjoyable and thoughtful conversations about storytelling, Dan sparks his guests into giving listeners glimpses into their personal journeys. This is a tremendously uplifting podcast. Thank you so much, Tom. I'm glad that you're enjoying it. And I hope that you, the listener, are enjoying it too. Leave a review and I'll keep reading them out loud. And don't forget to visit storytellersnetwork.com to connect with me. 
Until next time, here's to telling our stories and having stories to tell. Cheers.